this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to the Jay Allen Show. We are broadcasting live from the Safety FM studios in Orlando, Florida. Right now, we are streaming on the Twitch network, YouTube, Facebook groups, Facebook Live, and also streaming on our radio station, safetyfm.com. Hopefully, you've been having a great time so far this week. I am so glad that you have decided to return one more time to take a listen to what we have going on here at the Jay Allen Show. This has been a pretty exciting week for us here at Safety FM. We had the release last week of the Safety Justice League. A lot of excitement occurred during that time. It got so packed that even the radio station, at one point, we ended up losing some power and dumped into something else, but it was pretty exciting as everything was going on. Then yesterday, the 9th of March, we had Sam Goodman from The Hop Nerd join the radio station Monday through Friday from 3 to 4 p.m. So some exciting times there. And then over the weekend, we have the announcement of the Safety of Works podcast with Dr. David Proven and Dr. Drew Ray as a new addition to the Safety FM network. And that will be starting off on March the 15th. But don't worry, we're going to have more things for you as they come down the pipe. I told you from the very beginning that we are trying to grow this thing for it to be different people inside of the industry doing different things inside of the world of podcast. Now, I will tell you, as we have continued to grow this, some people that are extremely boring, oh yes, I did say they are extremely boring, told me that I need to have content that's only repetitive to the exact same thing over and over again. But that's just not what we do here at Safety FM. We try to bring you a little bit of everything around the world. So that's the whole point there. Anyways, I'm not going to waste a lot of your time right now. And I want to get you into this conversation that we have today with Stephen Scott. Now, if you're not familiar with Stephen Scott, Stephen Scott is a human and organizational performance consultant, speaker, and trainer. I will tell you, I had the privilege a few years back to be at the American Society of Safety Professionals. And Stephen was conducting a class there. And I had the joy of actually sitting through the class, and it was quite beneficial, the information that he was sharing with the audience. Stephen has recently decided to go out on his own after being at an organization that he was at for about 30 years. So I jumped at the opportunity of having this discussion here today with Stephen. So Stephen Scott, welcome to the Jay Allen Show. So I actually appreciate you taking the time to do this because I know this is probably out of the ordinary. Somebody just randomly contacting you and saying, hey, can you jump on my show? Um, I'm happy for the opportunity. <laughs> no, I actually, the interesting part was that I actually attended one of your speeches. I want to say it was that the ASSP in San Antonio many moons ago that you actually had the, the lady from Tesla that came in and was presenting with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lori Shelby. Yes, yes, yes. That was actually, I had went, yeah. to, went to your presentation. I was like, wow, this room is packed to the max. Yeah. Yeah, that went uh, that went really well. Laurie Laurie used to be my boss at Alcoa. Nice, very nice. Before she went to Tesla. So I I always like looking at people that I find is of course inside of these different th- inside of these different spaces of safety. So how did it all start for you? Because I mean, the, I can find a lot of information about you in Alcoa, but I can't really find information on how it all started. 
Um, <laughs> how it all started for me with Alcoa, or how, well, how, the, whole, this, how the whole uh, journey started for you? I mean, especially getting to the portion where you're at now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a long story. Um, I, I actually started at Alcoa as a as an hourly operator. I, I got out of the army looking for a job and got a job at a smelter in Maryland. Um, as an operator. So I did that for about 10 years, took a job as a supervisor. And then ultimately I was a department superintendent there over a part of the plant we called the cast house. And that plan got curtailed and I went to work for an uh, internal consulting group for Alcoa that specialized in lean manufacturing. And then uh, a couple years later, I took a job as a continuous improvement manager for Alcoa's U.S. primary products business unit. And that was in like 2008. And Alcoa was just getting started then in, in what they, they used the term human performance or human performance improvement uh, with Rob Fisher. And I heard about it and it sounded interesting. So I, I arranged to go to the training and um, just really, you know, drank the Kool-Aid. It, it really made a lot of sense to me. Thought it had a lot of potential. It was so different from the way we traditionally been taught to approach safety. And um, just, you know, learned all I could about it, read a lot, went to uh, all the training I could, um, and started being asked to spend more and more of my time um, doing training and coaching people and helping out at plants. So, um Eventually, I ended up reporting to Laurie Shelby, who at that time was the director of environment health and safety for that business unit. And a um, couple reorganizations and a big corporate restructuring. And um, Laurie became the VP of VHS for the corporation. And she asked me to take the role of director of human performance for Alcoa. And I did that for almost four years. And um, retired last year in July after just over 30 years and decided to, you know, do this kind of stuff as a consultant. Well, and I look at it and you say retired. I was like, well, I guess we're using that term extremely loosely because. Extremely yeah. <laughs> loosely. <laughs> no, and then I, now I, you're I, actually, I, I have found, where I actually saw a lot of the information that you had was there was some stuff actually that you started posting online in regards of hop. Yeah. And I was like, definitely have to, to take a look and get some more information from you. So as you're doing this now outside of the normal, let's say employee employer relationship, how is it working for you doing the business to business side? Um, you know, I'm just getting started at it really. And so I've, um, uh, I've had contacts with several different, um, corporations. I've, I've, I'm working with a couple right now that I think are going to be long-term um, kind of a full-blown help us along the journey um, work. And I, I take public speaking opportunities whenever I can for, you know, for things like ASSP or, or um, ORCHSE's uh, Hop Summit and, um, and then also for some corporate events when I'm invited. Uh, so yeah, I'm really just getting it off the ground and um that's want to do this for, you know, quite a few more years. So what drove you to actually start doing video content on social media? Cause it was one of those things that a lot of people it's, it's kind of like a mixed space is what I'm noticing right now, where some people like doing the, the video, some people like doing the audio. So why did you decide to go with the video content? Um, I, I, I like watching short videos. I, I do woodworking as a hobby 
And so I like watching short videos to, to learn stuff. And um, I think it's, to me, it's more effective than reading about it or just hearing someone talk. And I like using some, um, you know, some visual um references every now and then pictures and um you know i'll throw up a slide with a bunch of stuff on it and talk through it uh so to me it's a little more effective than just audio and um it's uh, i like to keep them short because i have a pretty short attention span so <laughs> i like to keep them under under about five minutes and you know cover a single topic and um i think that's a pretty common way for people today to you know gather information this is the jay allen show safety consultant that u.s group is a group that is set up for other people that are safety consultants and those that want to be safety consultants a resource site that will give you the ideas that you need for growing your business such as teaching resources because you got to be a teacher when you're out there, and that's going to be part of your base for growing your clients. Your jobs, so that we have OSHA compliance uh, topics, including written programs and assessments that you could use for getting your business going. And also, it's a group community of other people that are doing what you're doing as a safety consultant. Have you learned about a human and organizational performance and you wanted more? Well, now is your chance. Fisher Improvement Technologies is conducting an advanced HOP practitioner workshop. Now is your opportunity to learn these advanced hop techniques in this two-day workshop that is designed to give leaders the ability to understand and manage integrations of advanced error reduction in organizations. Also known as ERA. Participants are provided with multiple experiential learning opportunities to ensure they can use the information in their day-to-day interactions. For more information, go to AeroHP.com. That is A-E-R-O-H-P.com. And click on the link that says Open Enrollment. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. I thought it was kind of funny because earlier this week you had posted that you had done some upgrades to your how you were having your device being held as you were doing the recording. And I thought it was kind of interesting, especially now that you say that you do woodwork. I was like, hmm, that even ties it in even even a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was I just thought that was something uh, kind of funny I'd put up. But uh, when I when I first got the idea, I'm, I'm. I'm down in my basement and I found the place where the lighting was pretty good. And then I'm trying to figure out how to get my tablet up to the right height. And that's what I came up with was a, a block of wood sitting on a chair. Hey, that, <laughs> that works extremely well. So where do you just, so as you're going through this whole process, you referenced that when you were at Alcoa, where you had actually heard about human and organizational performance based around Rob Fisher. Um, so I guess things have actually changed. And then you, at, at what point down the path do you get to meet Todd Conklin? So I think I first heard Todd speak at about um, 2014, somewhere in there, and it was probably at the Hop Summit in Houston. And um, I, I, I remember that I, I'm, I'm placing the date because I remember him saying his his comment about safety the absence of incidents rather by the presence of defenses or capacity. And um, I remember taking a picture of that slide when he presented it. And it, you know, it, it sounded kind of interesting to me. And I, I 
was thinking about how to, you know, kind of how to make sense of that. And then um, we had a, Alcoa had a, uh, a fatality in 2015 at one of our plants. And if you'd asked anyone in Alcoa, where's the next fatality going to occur? Nobody would have said it, this plant. It was one of the most modern plants, uh, very automated, highly engaged workforce, uh, 25-year-old plant, never had a fatality, very low incident rates. You know, all the traditional metrics looked really good for that plant. But there was a, a gentleman in the cast house doing a really boring routine job that he did dozens of times a day, and he got struck and killed by a forklift who was also doing a boring routine job that he did dozens of times a day. And when I heard the story of how that happened, um, Todd's comment made, you know, just absolutely clicked with me. There, there's a, there's a guy that's doing his job and he's exposed to a hazard, mobile equipment, and there are no effective defenses in place to protect him from that hazard. Um, lagging indicators all told us no problem. You know, the plant's history all to told us all that there were no problems there but there was nothing to protect him from that hazard. And that's really when, you know, I started thinking differently about uh, what are we doing in this space? What are we doing with this, uh, you know, the, the human performance thing? What are we doing with how we manage safety? And, you know, the company, Laurie at the lead, the company, you know, started taking the, the same look at um, what do we need to be doing differently? So you go further down this journey after, of course, this catastrophic event that occurs down the plant. So does your so your mind is starting to shift. It's starting to change. You're doing some, I guess you're focusing now more on, I guess we'll say safety as a defense. Is that what you start focusing on as you're going forward? And then roughly what year are we talking about here? You, you said that you remember his comment say, from 14. Would, yeah. So the, the, this, that, incident I was just describing happened in 2015. Okay. Um, and then there were right behind that for a couple, the next three years, 14, 15, 16, 17, um, were four really, really bad years for Alcoa for fatalities and serious injuries. And we started looking at, um, what are we doing? And it started feeling like all the stuff we were doing with human performance was stuff we were doing to the workers. You know, that that's something that workers do. It's not something that leaders do. Um, and it's all this stuff about um, recognizing error-likely situations and using tools to reduce your error rate, and that's all stuff that workers do. And what we realized was we needed to change a lot of the things we do as leaders because there's um, a lot of things that we the, the focus on lagging indicators, Alcoa was still a company that was very, very focused on, we want to be a zero incident workplace. And, um, I mean, that was deep in their D DNA back to the Paul O'Neill days. And, um, so there was a lot of things, what we found was there's a lot of things that we just weren't hearing about. Um, so the lagging indicators, a lot of times looked really good. Leadership felt really happy. Leadership got upset when they heard about things. And, um, there was uh, just an awful lot of stuff that we were, you know, our eyes opened up and said, we've, we've got to do things differently. And so we really put a focus on leadership response to failure, um, encourage people to report things, 
work with leaders to um, respond better when they hear about this, um, especially injury-free events that could have had catastrophic outcomes. Um, you know, make sure you don't bite the guy's head off when you get that phone call. Treat it as a learning opportunity and you know, so we started down that path. Probably the biggest game changer we had was um, we stumbled on this uh, program that um, the International Council of Mining and Metals has a handbook about it. I think it started in the, in the mining industry in Western Australia, critical risk management, where you identify the things that cause the, ha- the specific hazards in your business that cause serious injury or fatalities, and you manage those hazards aggressively. You, you identify the, you know, the critical controls that will either prevent or mitigate the outcome of the event. And you measure those controls really aggressively. And it, uh, so we became laser focused on let's prevent the next fatality. Um, let's not worry about being a zero incident workplace. Um, let's quit, uh, you know, judging people on their dark rate and their lost workday rate. And let's really focus on the things that are ser- causing serious injuries and fatalities in our business. So, um, in order to do that, you've got to have people feeling safe to talk about those things, you know, where they feel they've got good controls, where they feel they don't, where they feel they're well protected, where they feel they're not. Um, you've got to have people feeling good about reporting some of those, um, uh, we call them FSI potential events, um, and treat them as learning and improving opportunities. So that was probably the biggest game changer in you know, those last several years I spent at Alcoa was going beyond this um, human performance is just something that operators do to leadership response to failure really, really matters. We've got to be an organization obsessed with learning, um, which means we've got to have uh, open and honest reporting. And the things we're going to worry about are not so much the things that cause um you know, cut fingers and twisted ankles, but we're really going to aggressively manage the things that cause serious injuries and fatalities. That was a huge, huge shift for us at Alcoa. This is The Jay Allen Show. Humans uniting. Work Human Live is more than an HR conference. It's a global movement to make work more human. What started out as a few hundred people during the first event in 2015 is now thousands strong, all championing this vision of celebrating one another throughout positivity and inclusivity at work and in life. It's also where like-minded people come together to connect, have conversation, contribute to ideas, and leave inspired to bring more humanity to their workplaces. Join us to be part of the movement to shape the future of work. CTA, register today at www.workhumanlive.com and use code PODCAST to save $200. Pre-accident investigation media in association with, with, with Safety FM presents Learning from Accidents, Advanced Investigation Theory and Practice. Have you ever wanted to learn about Advanced Investigation Theory and Practice? Well, this might just be your chance. On May 7th through May 8th, learn from some of the best in the business. On day one, Dr. Todd Conklin will cover theory and practice of advanced investigation. This workshop does not spend time teaching professionals how to do investigations. Doing investigations is not difficult. This workshop spends the day talking about how to think about investigations using the new view of safety as the present.
presence of capacity and not the absence of prevention. On day two, Nippin and Nard will cover learning from accidents, the Costa Concordia case. This is about an accident that occurred on January 12, 2012. The driving point with this one. A central question for us has been, what can we learn from this accident and many such high-profile accidents? Drawing on first-hand video interviews with the captain and an extensive research into the accident, we have created a documentary-style narrative for this accident. For more information, go to Novelist.Solutions. That's Novelist.Solutions. This event will take place at the Hampton Inn in Las Vegas, Nevada, right off of Dean Martin, directly across the street from the In-N-Out Burger. And don't worry. The hotel does not have a casino. Make sure that you tell your employer. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. And how long are we talking here? Because, I mean, I would imagine from the time that you actually start having that conversation or even have the courage to have the conversation, what are we talking about timeline in regards of the change actually going into place? So we, you know, we started 2015 was when we started thinking, you know, we've got to do something differently. Um, about 2016, we started looking or we, we actually had Conklin come in and, and visit a bunch of our plants and, um, give us some advice. And we, you know, found this, uh, information from ICMM and contacted a guy named Jim Joy, who, who helped write the, um, the, the book on, on critical risk management and so we really started, I would say, implementing a program in late 2016. And it was, I'm going to say, fairly well embedded by the time I retired in 2019. Now, obviously, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, we, you know, we knew we had to continually be looking at our incident data to find out are there critical hazards that we're missing? Are there, you know, critical controls that we've not identified rightly? Are, are we verifying them effectively? But I think we had a fairly good process in place by about 2019. So it was probably about three years from the time we said, no, we, we really need to do something differently. And this is something that could help us to where we got to, um, we feel pretty good about how we're doing this today. We just need to continue to improve it and, and sustain it. So you're so all, so then right there, based on what you're saying, you're seeing this change go into place right as you're close to heading out the door and retiring. Yeah, I was actually in charge of the for the corporation of the implementation of critical risk management, and um, so <laughs> I honestly had not. Um, had not intended to retire when I did. Um, I, I actually planned to work another year or so. Um, so I felt like we had the right tools in place. We had the right systems in place. We had um, the right sponsorship. People were on board. Um, there were just some other things going on in the corporation at that time that made it for me the right time to retire. <laughs> well, I mean, and I think, you know, you did, you go out and then you change during the time. And then all of a sudden you decided to start doing your own business. But this is something that I was able to find online and I thought it was pretty interesting. So I want to share it with you and I'm sure you've already seen it, but I just want to talk about it here for a moment. Steve Scott is a master of human performance, but not like you th may be thinking. Steve is not an academic. Yes, he's brilliant, extremely learned in the HP theories. Steve is not a slick trainer of human performance. Yet, 
He has taught many, many successful classes all over the globe to all types of people. Steve is a true practitioner of the principles and practices of human performance. And I don't say that lightly. If you are challenged by dangerous work, technical requirements, and entrenched in people, Steve is your man. He has the ability to help any organization. And I'm assuming that it says, it says bet better fast and in a sustainable way. Can't say enough about Steve and his ability to practice human performance. You need to bring him into your site. And this is written by the one and only Dr. Todd Conklin. So how the hell do you get that kind of endorsement? What did you show this man? (laughs) You know what I've, and when I mentioned we had Todd in our site, uh, at a bunch of our sites, and I spent, uh, I think I was at all the site visits with Todd except one. So I got a lot of time to um, spend with him, not just in the plants, but in airports and airplanes and at dinners and things like that. So I got a lot of time to um, talk to him and learn from him. And I think one of the things that that I tell people that are, you know, that are uh, I'm, I'm trying to bring on as customers or clients today is uh, – I'm never going to be as smart as Conklin. I'm never going to be as smart as, you know, a, a Sidney Decker or a James Reason or a Holmagle or those guys. Um, and I'm also not a, you know, a, a technical safety expert. I don't have any degree in it. I've not spent my career doing that. What I did do was for, you know, the last 10 years I was at Alcoa, I figured out how to take these, you know, stuff that really smart people came up with and how to apply it effectively in a large global organization. And I think that's what impressed Todd was, um, I, I, I think one of the things I'm pretty good at is simplifying things so that they remain effective yet make sense and figuring out how to make it useful to the people at the pointy end of the stick, uh, first line supervisors and operators. Um, that's what I think my strong suit is, and that's why I, I really like working with um, organizations that are, you know, really at any point along that uh, hop journey, whether they're just starting out or they're, you know, years into it. Um, I think that's something that differentiates me from a guy like Todd, who is, is brilliant, um, but I've actually spent time implementing the stuff. <laughs> So as you're, so being as you're there in, and I'll say practitioner level and going out there and being kind of like the influencer as you go into these organizations, what are you seeing the changes within the industry? Because I know that a lot of people say that this is the new view safety, but from all the research that I can gather, I can, I see it go as far back between 27 to 30 years, just kind of depending on who you're having a conversation (laughs) with. What are you seeing that are, that's, that's kind of changed throughout the years, especially with you being a practitioner for such a long period of time? I, I, you know, I, I think the thing we see changing in organizations that really get it is um, they're starting to realize that rewarding people for not having incidents and punishing them for having incidents is counterproductive. So they're taking those type of incentives um, out of people's um compensation, they're, they're removing those incentives from operators and managers, and they're replacing them with different incentives that are, that are leading and, and control-based. Um, I'm also seeing organizations that um, they don't blame and punish 
Um, they have leaders that are obsessed with learning rather than, you know, how can I, who can I blame for this and then wipe my hands and walk away from it. That's what, that's the biggest change I think I see is really the way leadership at um, whatever level of the organization, the way they define safety, the way they incentivize or, or don't incentivize uh, safety and the fact that they're obsessed with learning um, rather than blaming and punishing. Um, I'm still, you know, I, maybe I'm, I'm pretty naive, but I'm still really, really surprised how many organizations are still stuck with that old school idea that, um, you know, all we need to do is have rules and make people follow the rules and punish them when they don't follow the rules and everything will be great. And, um, you know, that, that, to me, that has just been proven over and over and over again as, as counterproductive. It just doesn't work. I mean, I guess you have to almost look at it is that it's kind of easier for them just to go ahead and point and say, okay, well, this is the problem. This is the person that caused easier. the problem. And so then they can just move <laughs> forward. And then when you have to kind, kind of look at it and go, okay, maybe they didn't intentionally do it on purpose. Maybe they didn't actually come to work today to get injured. It's, it's a shift and it's kind of one of those eye-opening experience. But like I say all the time, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here. So it's just getting them to that particular point on the journey. So as you're being able to interact with different organizations already, as you're, as you're on your own, what are you seeing? Are, are you coming in mostly for the people that are out in the line? Or are you coming into the C-suite people or what exactly are you seeing mostly of? So what, yeah, I think you always have to start with leadership. Um, I think that was one of the things we didn't do well at Alcoa. We, we put just a, boatload of time and energy into training workers. And we had a lot of people in senior leadership positions that really just didn't get it. And so I think you always have to start with senior leadership. And, you know, my rule of thumb is however much of the organization you want this to touch, that's the level of leadership we need to get in the room and talk about. And I, you know, I really want them to understand you know, here's what the hop journey looks like. Here's what we're asking the organization to do differently. And I want senior leaders to be able to walk out of that saying, I'm going to stand up in front of my organization and I'm going to tell them, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's what I'm going to commit to doing differently. And here's what I need you to commit to doing differently. And I, I really believe if you get senior leadership to buy into that, to understand what it, you know, what the hop journey looks like, buy into it, sponsor it, and agree to, you know, change their behavior and drive that through the organization, that's a huge amount of the improvement that um, you're looking for from this whole hop thing is changing the way leaders behave. Do you it think, has to start there. So do you think that most leaders would have a difficult time for the way that most people present hop, that it is a philosophy opposed to a program? Do you think most leaders would have a difficult time understanding that once it's actually brought up to them? I think they do. And um, I think a whole lot of people have heard of human performance in terms of identifying error likely situations. And they still look at that as, well, that's something that workers do. And so when you really talk to them about um, um, hop being a, a set of shared beliefs 
and shared beliefs and values in an organization are driven by leadership and they have to live it every day, then it, um, it, it takes some explaining and some coaching and some, um, you know, some time to get them to understand that. And that, you know, the most important thing in that whole organization is how leaders behave, um, much more so than what workers do out on the floor. If leaders, and, you know, if leaders do the right things, if leaders ask the right questions, incentivize the right things, disincentivize the right things, um, really focus on learning and improving and engaging employees, I think you'll see that reflected in the way employees behave. And I, I just think that's so important to get leaders uh, at every level to understand that, that this is not something we do to workers. This is a set of core beliefs that we want to see ingrained in this organization. Once once they get it, the light bulb goes off, then it's, um, it's much, much easier to drive it through the organization. Now, Stephen, if the listeners want to get more information about you and your organization, what do they need to do? So you can get a hold of me at uh, steve at hopimprovement.com. That's my email. Or uh, I'm on LinkedIn. It just uh, If you just look for Stephen, that's Stephen with a PH. If you look for Stephen Scott on LinkedIn, you'll find me. Well, Stephen, I really, way to get a hold of I really do appreciate you coming on to the show today. I appreciate you having me. Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. Wondering how you can show your love? Head over now to Facebook and drop a like. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.